This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the BBC. I'm in Norfolk to explore the work of one of the greatest English landscape designers. Now, you might immediately think, ah, that'll be Capability Brown. But no, this is a man perhaps less well-known than Brown, but who created over 400 designs across Britain and Ireland. He was the first person to ever coin the phrase landscape gardener, and his trademark was the Red Book. I'm referring to Humphrey Repton. Now, several of his designs were in Norfolk, which is why I've come to this particular county. And his first ever commission was Catton Park and Jill, Jill Renault. We're here on the northern edge of Norwich, very, very close to Catton Park. A closeness that, that you live with every day. Yes, that's right. The park is just at the bottom of the garden. And if you just look across the garden, you can see some of the really tall trees. And that really is one of the things I love about living here, the sort of borrowed landscape that I get from the trees as well. And that landscape was created by Humphrey Repton. That's right. It was his first commission. And when did you discover about it? Oh, probably about 15 years ago, when the park was first opened up to the public. Before that, it wasn't really known, and yet it was created, you know, well, just under 200 years ago. Yes, that's right. It was in private ownership from when it was created, and then in about 2005, a group of local people got together and managed to get money from Heritage Lottery Fund to renovate the park and open it to the public, and that was a really exciting project. Because it was very much local people being involved in that, but you are the chair of the Friends of... Catton Park. You connected to this Repton landscape, which might have been lost altogether if it hadn't been... Oh yes, it could easily have been lost, yes. Mm. Well, we're here in your garden because you kind of feel as though it's part of your extended landscape, (laughs) but it would be nice to go there, you know, and see it for for real. We don't do down through the bottom of your garden, do we? There used to be a gate, but unfortunately it rusted through, so we had to block it off. So how do we get there? If we just walk round to the front of the house and then we just walk up the, the road a little way and then there's a, an entrance into Captain Park. Park. Yes. Let's go. And it's easy to miss the fact that it's here because you know, it's quite a busy road. It's all built up. There's, you know, pubs, houses, play park. In fact, many local people don't know about it. I like to think it was a hidden gem. Many people drive past it and they don't know it's here. So there's a lovely wooden fence now. We swing the heavy wooden gate open. Through. And then, this is completely unexpected, there's a wide open field parkland in front of us. Yes. Well, tell me a little bit about Humphrey Repton, because this is the first place that I've come to. Yeah, Humphrey Repton was an interesting chap. He wasn't born in Norfolk. He was born in Bury St Edmunds in 1752. But he moved to Norwich when he was still a child. And then he went away. And, he, and, and when he got married, he came back and started up as a merchant. But it seems that he wasn't terribly good at being a merchant. 
and he needed to raise funds for his, to, for his family. And so he tried his hand at all sorts of things, um, being an artist, being a political agent. None of these seemed to really work. But he first came in here in 1788, and it was his first paid commission to work on the landscape here for Catton Hall. Some of the things he was doing was actually planting trees, taking up trees to improve the views from the hall. And the other thing which he is thought to have done is to design this lovely little Gothic cottage which we can see over here. So a little thatched roof cottage. And beautiful Gothic windows, you know, all in a sort of small scale. That's very pretty. That's right on the edge of the park, at maybe you know, quite some distance from the original Catton Hall. Yes, it is a little distance, but this is, this is characteristic of the things he liked to do in the landscape, put in little buildings to make it interesting. So where would you like to take us to have the best view of Catton? Well, the, the best view is up there. Right, OK, then. Yeah. Now, one of the things I heard about Humphrey Repton is that when he was creating a design, he did it through what's become known as the Red Book. Yes, that's right. This is a book that he would do for each of his commissions. So it would include descriptions of the landscape and the planting that he's going to do. But more importantly, there were paintings of the landscape as it is. And then very cleverly, he had these flaps which you could fold over and see what it would look like after he had made his changes. He painted the scene that he was seeing, but then he created this, like an overlay, so you could see what it would be like when it was finished? Yes, it was very ingenious. Wasn't it? (laughs) Yes. And what about Catton Park's Red Book? Oh, sadly, there doesn't seem to be one, which is such a shame. But Why is there not one? Probably because it was his first commission. But I have heard rumours that somebody has seen one at Norfolk County Council headquarters many years ago, but we haven't been able to verify that. Do you think there is a red book? I was categorically told, no, there isn't one. But there's just these rumours, so there might be. Even if it's not the full-blown thing, just a, a sort of trial thing to see how it worked. We've just walked past the, the main house, and again now we're looking down a gentle fallaway of land and beyond uh, to the trees in the distance. And in the distance, you can just see the spire of Norwich Cathedral. And this was part of Repton's plan to take down some of the trees that were there so that you had this vista from the hall across the park and you could see the spire of the cathedral in the distance. Now we're walking up to... There's a corner in the path here and we look out across the open grassland. To the far side, we can see Catton Hall... But also here, then, we see the sweep of the park right down to the far end. And you completely forget that you're on the edge of Norwich. Yes, the city centre is just two miles away, which is amazing. You can hear the birdsong and the peace and tranquility of this place. And it's protected. It'll never be built on. It will always be a Repton design. It'll always, his name will always be here. Yes, Yes, that's right. So Catton Park was Repton's first commission. What I've done now is I've come about 20 miles north, up towards the North Norfolk coast, to Sheringham. This was his final commission and, by what I've read, his 
most favourite. Now I've walked through the most glorious collection of specimen trees, those rhododendrons and azaleas, it's quite spectacular. And the thing about Repton was he wanted to create views. So what I've organised for is to meet Sally Bate, who is with the Norfolk Gardens Trust. Hello Sally. Now you said meet here because Repton loved to create that moment of a view and he's really done it so well at Sheringham. He has indeed. Hello, Helen. This is the view that he painted in his Red Book for Sheringham and he wanted to burst upon the, the visitor this lovely view of the new house that he was proposing to build here. And as you can see, we can still see that same view today. And it just suddenly appears as you come round this corner out of the woodland. It's beautiful. It's very well placed. It's tucked under its wooded hill, away from all those north uh, coastal winds. Um, and it's a wonderful spot to live because beyond that, not too far away, is the sea. It is, not far at all, just behind the hill there. Mm. And this is now owned by the National Trust. It is. And um, I want to be here to get a better understanding about Humphrey Repton and his, his life and his work. So how would you describe Humphrey Repton? Oh, well, I'm a self-made man. He wanted to fill the void left behind from uh, Capability Brown and uh, set himself up as a landscape gardener, which is a term that he himself coined. How did he get to become a landscape gardener, the first one to be called that? <laughs> he was very well read, he was good at writing, and so he realised, having tried one or two other ventures that didn't work, that there was this market to go round to people and create these wonderful landscapes with stunning views. So he landed on the idea... Whereas Humphrey Repton was more about creating the idea, the design, in most cases with the red book, sometimes with plans and drawings. And then it was up to the owners whether they did them or not. And there's the difference. And that is why Capability Brown ended his life as a very rich man and Humphrey Repton, although comfortable, didn't. Yet he created around, what, how many garden designs in his quite short career? Um, it's known oh, he worked over 400 sites across Britain and certainly we've been investigating 23 that he has connections with in Norfolk, seven of which have these wonderful red books. Now, this red book, is, it's a compelling idea, isn't it? Catton Park, they, well, it's a bit of a mystery as to where theirs ever went, uh, but Sheringham definitely has one, but it's not here. It isn't, no. It's kept in safekeeping at Felbrigg Hall. And here we are in his bicentenary year, the anniversary of his death. And I just wonder, you know, do many people know about Humphrey Repton? I think it's fair to say a lot of people don't know about Humphrey Repton. If they do, they may have heard of Sheringham because it's open to the public. Um, but the Gardens Trust this year really want to celebrate the 200th anniversary of his um, death and by opening up the world of Humphrey Repton to everybody so we can see the wonderful parks he created and the beautiful images that he's left behind. What was his trademark when it came to landscaping? I think it was opening up the views. A lot of his commissions were at smaller sites and therefore if you could open up a view on the edge of your park so that you see through and beyond, it kind of gives the impression that your land stretches on and on and on when in fact it doesn't. Let's follow the path round and get a full view of the house. And it winds across this open parkland and there before us is this beautiful, it's just two-storey uh, country mansion set against the wooded hill behind. It is picture perfect. 
isn't it? It is indeed, and you can see why it was Repton's very favourite commission. In fact, he said of it that this may be considered my most favourite work, and in one of his books he said that Sheringham possesses more natural beauty and local advantages than any place I have ever seen. Sheringham was towards the end of his career. Uh, that's right, yes. It was, was only a year after his terrible carriage accident that he had in 1811 which left him quite severely disabled to the fact where he had to use a wheelchair for the rest of his life. He died then not long after he completed Sheringham. Well Sheringham was not quite finished by the time he died but he would have seen the majority of this being laid out. Uh, Yes he fell ill and and sadly died in his home uh, just outside Romford but his lasting wish was to come back to Elsham where his family were and um, be buried at the church, and you can still see his memorial on the south chancel wall today. So Repton, he created these designs, you say, uh, at least 400 of them. Many of them were forgotten about or were lost, but because of what you're involved in working on now... You've actually had quite a journey of discovery. I'm I'm very fortunate to be part of a group of 10 volunteers from the Norfolk Gardens Trust and we've spent the last two years investigating the 23 sites which are thought and are known to have some evidence with Repton's involvement and it could be quite tiny. Uh, Seven of them do have a red book and we are publishing it all this year in a a very exciting book. But what's been so lovely is we've been able to share this and uh, through our members and their friends, uh, images from Repton, from his paintings, plans, letters, sketches have just been tumbling out of cupboards and attics and we've been so fortunate people have shared them with us and we've been able to take photographs and to read them and to find out more about this this very intriguing man. And if you hadn't done this they would have just gathered more dust and possibly disintegrated over time. Well you hope they're safe Um, but as we know from Catton if these things can exist and then if there's a change of ownership somebody else doesn't value them in quite the same way as the family who's kept them all these years and things do disappear mm-hmm. so uh, we're always hopeful of more coming out and maybe our book and all the all the Repton Festival this year will inspire people to dig deep and have a look for any further evidence so oh, <laughs> the dogs know I'm coming here we go here's the bell. two Labradors through the glass and this is Simon Gurney coming to meet me. Hello Simon. <laughs> That's a lovely team of labs that you've got there. Hello. Hello. Nice to meet you. Excellent. Um, Come in. Thank you. So the Gurney family have been here for how long Simon? Well 300 years sort of on and off. Hmm. They were a um, Quaker banking family. So they became a very influential banking family with the ability to buy land and to employ Humphrey Repton to do a landscape for them. Well, exactly that. Um, But what was also quite interesting is that they were landed gentry. They weren't nobility. They wouldn't even take their hats off in front of royalty and things. They were quite anti-establishment. So, because we have a Repton landscape around us... What we have here, which is just so special, is a red book. Red book. Kept in a safe. And it's pulled out. Now it's in um, just a a brown envelope that's been sellotaped many times. (laughs) Yeah, you better open open it and have a look. Yeah, yeah. So you take it out. And it's about A4 size to give it a, a sort of a modern image, but it's far from modern. Do we open it landscape-wise? We, we do. Yeah. So it's got this leather binding. The gold 
leaf round the edges is very faded now. In fact, it's not quite as red as I thought it would be. But that's I think it was probably red in its day. So this is an amazing <laughs> moment, Simon, it really is. I'm turning the pages of um, browned and stained paper. Tell me so when I should stop. Note. Yeah? What's this? This book Handwritten. by Hampshire Mm-hmm. And then it was found from a deed box in 1893. So it had just been sort of buried and lost. So it had been sitting round in the back of a dusty cupboard here and until my grandfather found it. So it could have been lost altogether? Oh, completely. If he hadn't gone through this bottom of the deed box, no one knew it existed before then. Presumably people knew that Repton had created one, but I don't think anyone had ever seen it until my grandfather found it. If I could just turn a few of these pages, which are in some places browned with age, and you can see this beautiful script writing on it, and North Reps in Norfolk. What is that? The seat of Bartlett Gurney, Esquire. Okay, and turn the page. And he handwrites a whole page to you. I know, they are just so fantastic. It's exquisite writing. I can't read it. It's so faint and so neat and so small. I mean, can you imagine the excitement of Bartlett Gurney when Repton turned up and produced that? I mean, the guy just, his jaw must have hit the ground. Now, you turn the page and you just look at yourself, the surprise. (gasps) A curving, sweeping driveway that leads to the most beautiful country house. And so you can quite understand why he went to go and show this book off in London to all of his Quaker brethren, and that was why he was not allowed to build it. Why was he not allowed to build it? Because it was considered far too grand and flashy um, for a Quaker banker to be showing, to be bowing down to Mammon in quite such an obvious manner. So he was sent back to Norfolk with his tail between his legs and said, not on your nelly can you have something quite so ostentatious as that. So but, he could have the landscape that Repton had in mind, well, but not the house. But certainly not the house, because you would have seen the house from 20 miles away. Well, we're going to, to see some of the restoration work that you've done, how you've done it, and what you have brought back to the landscape around North Reps Hall. You became engrossed in the Red Book and Repton. But when you went to look at the landscape, it was, it was a different story. It was quite hard to find. Oh, completely, because the actual Repton landscape, I didn't really know it. It was Repton. I know it was such a completely overgrown, clogged-up wilderness. And um, that, that was it. And then Natural England turned up, a little bit of grant money... But what that did was the grant money kicked it off, but much more importantly, and said, do you know what you're sitting on? Do you know what you have lived in all your life? Without appreciating. And they said, this is what you need to muck it out. And they just literally, the scales fell off my eyes. And then we kicked off the project. The house that was eventually built is just below this mound that we are on. Not the grand design that was in Repton's original water. Well, well, exactly. So he got hold of William Wilkins, father and son architect's team. And he turned around and said, I need something that looks small, but is far grander. So they built what was 
that termed as a Gothic cottage. And what Repton did, which was so clever, is he built this hill behind it and then he hid the stable block and the servants' quarters behind in the hill so, again, he could shrink the size of the house. So from here it actually looks quite substantial. But when you look up the roads, it looked like a cottage. And so now Northrop's cottage is a hotel. Let me now just take you. We'll go up to the other side of the valley. And there is the most wonderful view down to the sea now between these two uh, rises on either side in front of us. This was entirely lost. It was just an immense overgrown jungle. Uh, Sycamore, rhododendron. I mean, you couldn't see the sea at all. You couldn't see anything. Even when we're standing, it was completely unpenetrable. And then we started hacking away. And you can see these trees that Repton planted, which we didn't, I really did not know existed till we cleared back. And then suddenly out pops these, that's quite sort of cork oaks and things like that. And you've, you've sustained this for 10 years and you could only do a little bit at a time because it's a very expensive process. Uh, very. Um, and, you know, I so simply what... wouldn't be here. It's been a long story of, of rebuilding and, um, you know, I wouldn't be here without my wife, Deborah. You know, she's rebuilt the estate finances to um, allow me to come and do this sort of work. But what has kept you going this 10 years? Because if I might say... We, we have to drive everywhere because it's quite hard for you to walk about. I notice your breathing is quite difficult to, uh, yes, to do this. Yes, but that's just, that's the, that's the way it is. Do I regret any of it? Absolutely not at all. All I can try and do is make sure all of the others who suffer with my disease, something called Pompeii disease, know that everything is still possible. It just might be a bit more difficult, but everything is still possible. Has that been part of your driving force as well? A little bit, because everyone struggles in adversity and sometimes you need a bit of adversity to get the best out of you. And you see the rewards every time you, yeah, I mean, you just come out. And every time it's different. Do you think he's relevant today for people? I understand why he is for you, but for other people? These spaces will just end up being lost unless they can be enjoyed and protected. And so to that end, I'm trying to build a footpath from Overstrand to Cromer, back into Cromer following the old railway line, which goes right the way through the middle of this landscape. I can see the and embankment, so actually. You can yeah. see the embankment, the view from walking along there, looking up and down this Repton landscape. And then once everybody can enjoy it, it's then protected for generations. I've come back to Catton Park and I look out across this parkland. There are quite a few people out walking their dogs. There's a few runners going round the pathways. So you come to Catton Park regularly? We come here pretty much just every day of the year, so that's 365 any, days any a year. Weather? And any weather. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful part of the, you know, the city. And it's, the mm. vista is nice. You, know, you can see sort of the basics of what was here when it was originally designed. I mean, it's been changed over the years because it was farmland at one point as well. So it's, it's come back from that to back to a park, basically. Yeah. So it's a landscape that means something to you? It's, it's all important, yeah. I mean, all green spaces are great, aren't they? More people should use it, I think. You know. They're doing an event at the school, though, with the gardens, aren't they? The miniature gardens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To do with Humphrey Repton? Yeah. I'll walk with you. I know you're rushing to pick your daughter up from school, but you were saying, what do they do with Humphrey Repton at school? They're celebrating, because it's 200 years, isn't it, since he designed the park, is that right? 
Well, since he died, but since you're close died. enough. <laughs> and um, what are they doing? They're making miniature gardens and then they're going to put them on display at the school and open the school up one day for people to walk around and see all the gardens that they've made. So that young people will realise what they have on their doorstep here at Catton Park. Yeah. yeah, that is great. And I think that's just the school across the road, is it? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> Bye. And perhaps the focus on Humphrey Repton in this bicentenary year might finally solve the mystery of the missing Catton Park Red Book. <laughs>